Welcome, and thank you for joining the Successful While Parenting podcast. Till we figure out cloning, we'll be investigating the tips, tricks, and routines that help other parents still achieve their personal goals. Friendly reminder, this show is intended for people with kids, not for kids. This was made in a facility that allows cussing, so there may be traces of it. What's up, parental units? So getting back in the jiving and rolling with this thing uh, for the podcast. So this episode, I had the great pleasure of interviewing Mike Dorsey for the second time. The first time I had technical difficulties. So this time I made sure to get everything lined up and straightened out. So the basic introduction for Mike D, Mike D is a husband and a father who's a curious and gifted communicator that values engaging experiences and meaningful relationships uh and just the knowledge he just continued to drop on me throughout the conversation um and and just personally like i i think everybody will love it he's also a speaker author and creator of the podcast black fathers now um so if you're looking for your next podcast fix go ahead and check that out too that is another great one and if you also want to reach him, you can find him at IamMikeDorsey.com. And Black Fathers Now also has its own website of BlackFathersNow.com. So that's where you can reach Mike. But what you came here for is to hear him. So check out the episode. So this is what our third time talking. Yes. But this is the second time. Mike Dorsey is back on the successful wild parenting, and this is the first time you'll be published <laughs> under successful wild parent. So we're we're back again, um, and I'll let you introduce yourself. Black fathers now, let us know what what's that about, Mike. Black Fathers Now. Well, Black Fathers Now is my podcast. Well, first of all, before, thank you for the opportunity to come on for the second time. First time for successful while parenting <laughs> listeners to hear my voice. But um <laughs> but yeah, but but man, thanks for the opportunity, man. But um but Black Fathers Now, man, Black Fathers Now is my podcast, uh, currently available anywhere you listen to podcasts. And the whole concept behind Black Fathers Now is you know, we're bringing the village to the brothers. And um, for those that are unfamiliar with the village concept, there's an old African parable or old African proverb that states it takes a whole village to raise a child. Right. And so when I think about that, you also come to realize that most successful adults have a village around them as well. But what's challenging about the fact of that is that we don't live in villages anymore. You know, a lot of us are spread out around the country and, you know, we're only connected to mm-hmm. our loved ones and our networks and our groups and fraternities and sororities and all of that stuff. We're only connected via technology. And so my thing is, how do we utilize that technology to then recreate that village or recreate that support network, you know, for you know, black fathers. And so hence the, you know, the podcast Black Fathers Now came into existence and a little bit more about the title, you know, Black Fathers Now. Uh, well, first, I couldn't just name it Black Fathers. I think the name was taken. So I had to think of something <laughs> else. But uh, <laughs> but the the concept of Black Fathers Now is about having insight, inspiration and wisdom um, that's actionable now. Like, I don't want anybody listening to Black fathers now to just say like, oh, that was cool. You know, I want them to say, oh, that was cool. Man, I can go look into this now. Or man, I can go research this. Or the guest that was on there, I can reach out to this brother and, you know, learn a little bit more about, you know, their travels to Southeast Asia because maybe I want to take my family there, you know? And so um, so that's the whole concept behind it, man. It's just really, you know, doing dynamic interviews with individuals like yourself. You know, you were a previous guest on Black Fathers Now and bring brothers on that really share their story, share their journey, share trials, tribulations, insights, successes. But uh, sharing that with the notion of inspiring brothers to take action and become better versions of themselves, because truthfully, the whole goal is for the average of black fatherhood to become excellence. And, um, Mm. you know, we're looking to, you know, kind of kick the roof off of it and really have no limits now and kind of reshape the narrative. So, yep. So Black Fathers Now is the podcast that I created in the summer of 2017. 
Nice. So coming up on three years. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, man. Appreciate you, man. I mean, at time of recording this one, we uh we've already got 144 episodes currently out there into the universe. So uh yeah, man, we're coming up on three years, brother. That's what's up. And one thing I love about your show is how you always start off asking the guest to like thank their village. Yes. And I don't think I heard any episode where you explicitly call out your viz. So now let me get the chance to hear who who's your village, mm. who's helped you get this far. Mm, man, I thank you so much for that opportunity, man. Um my village, you know, first it starts off with my my relationship with God, man. Like I, you know, I start mm-hmm. everything with my relationship with, you know, with my Lord and Savior you know, Jesus Christ. But then as far as the people in my life, man, it's my wife is, you know, my number one, Maisha Dorsey. And then we have our kids, Morgan and Maxwell, my rambunctious six and eight year old uh, <laughs> that keep us on our toes and, you know, keep our, keep the blood flowing um, <laughs> through our veins. Every day. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Every day. And, uh, and then growing up, man, I really have to, you know, give a shout out to, to my mother, you know, Dr. Maggie Dorsey, man. She was a, she's been just a, you know, just a huge rock man and a true testament to sacrifice. You know, like when I think about what, I am as a parent, you know, that's she's definitely one that I would like to replicate in regards to her devotion for her family, because she put a lot of the things that she wanted to do on hold to be mom first, you know. And um, so I really give her a shout out, give a shout out to my dad, Keith Dorsey. You know, he's he's my he's he's my dad, man. He's my dude. He's um he showed me a lot of things in life. Um, You know, we've had some challenges, you know, growing up, but. Mm-hmm. He's definitely showed me a lot of things in life and, you know, I'm thankful for him and my brothers, Daniel and David Dorsey. And I, I tell you, the other thing, too, that was so interesting about me and why the village is so important, you know, when there were potential challenges and all in regards to the relationship that I had with my dad growing up, you know, my mom was very instrumental in making sure that we had a village around us. So I had coaches and uncles and grandfathers and teachers and neighbors and boy scout leaders and everybody. I had this folks from the church. I had this huge village. We, my brothers and I had this huge village around us that helped to, in essence, usher us along and, you know, serve as advisors, so to speak, as we traverse the growing up process. And so, you know, I'd be remiss. It's hard for me to list everyone, but, um, but you know, all those out there that had a hand in, you know, us becoming who we are, definitely I want to say thank you. And um and anybody now currently in my life, fraternity brothers, Omega Sci Fi Fraternity Incorporated. Um <laughs> any, you know, any of my friends and family here in Knoxville that, you know, from Georgia Tech back in the day, from I mean, it's just so many the name, man. I just I just want to say thank you to everyone who's had a hand in helping us move forward. And uh just just thank you. Yeah, man, that's beautiful. Like, um, I'm just like tripping up over the fact of like recently I was talking with my wife and I was like, I, I was having a down moment. I was like, man, sometimes I just don't feel needed, mm. you know, and just talking with her, getting all of her wisdom. She was like, you know, maybe you ha- you could benefit from doing a daily journal of what are the things that you are needed for. Mm. And so doing that, I've recognized like I'm not changing. I I don't know. I'm not like creating the next invention that's going to like end cancer, but nonetheless, I do have impact. Mm. And there's people that 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 I I would say I've I've made impact. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not I'm not I'm trying to I I get about uh I get weird about trying to not be arrogant mm-hmm. or cocky about my worth, but still being able to actually claim it. So hold on hold on hold so on. So it's interesting you calling all that. But out. but you know what though? I, but I want you to 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 also 
not be fearful of recognizing that you bring value, right? So mm. we can all we all bring value in some way, shape, or form to something or someone, right? Every everybody walking the face of this earth is valuable to some other being, right? Whether it's your child, mm-hmm. your spouse, a friend, whether it's the person you held the door for, the lady you helped carry her groceries to the car, the the guy who was 50 cents short at the gas tank and you gave him 50 cents, yeah. whatever it is, you're valuable to somebody. And the moment that we can recognize our own value is the moment that we can walk with our head high. That's one. But there's nothing arrogant about understanding that you bring value. But I heard a speaker, his name is Patrice, not Patrice Lumumba, it was a Patrick Lumumba, P-L-O Lumumba. He's in, he's in, I forgot what part of Africa he's in, but he's, you know, like a liberation speaker and all. One of the things that he mentioned was he said that true success is when my successor succeeds, right? And Mm. so it's good to bring value. And I think it's extremely important for all of us, parents, you know, friends, dads, whoever, to understand that we are valuable. But it's also important for us to understand that we're not going to be here forever. And so as we bring value, we're also setting things up to run without us being present. Like to me, when you think about the concept of legacy, legacy is not necessarily money or this or that. Legacy is something that can continue and be built upon in your absence. Right. And so you can bring value and you can really be confident in that, but then also realize that you're bringing value to a point in which I want this thing to be able to succeed without me. I want my kids to grow up and to be able to live and thrive and grow, you know, when I'm dead and gone. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so I ain't, I don't want to go nowhere anytime soon, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's, 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 put a pin, let's put a pin in that one right there, right? But just to be clear. let's be clear, right? I ain't trying to go nowhere anytime soon, but The other part of it is I think, yes, I'm valuable and I believe I'm needed. I'm wanted. I'm desired. But on the flip side, Mm -hmm. I hope that I'm also putting things in place that that won't be the case for forever. Yeah. Yeah. And even saying that, that reminds me of uh, Black Panther. Yes. When uh, the the dad, they were in the the spirit realm. Mm -hmm. And the dad was like, did I not raise you mm-hmm. to be a king? Mm-hmm. Like, you can operate without me. Mm. And that's 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 the goal that I'm shooting for as well. That's Man, dude, I, I, actually in my book, you know, Dynamic Black Fatherhood Manifesto, that I literally highlighted that specific segment. And he basically, he told him, to your point, is T'Chaka, the dad. He told T'Challa, mm-hmm. he was just like, look, if I have not prepared you for my own death, I failed you as a father. Yeah. There it is. Mm-hmm. That's the cool. Yeah, yeah. I failed you as a mm. father. If I have not prepared you for when I leave, I have failed you as a father. And I think that you know we talk about you know the title of the successful while parenting. You know, that's something that we have to be mindful of. It's not just the moment now. It's also the moment now in preparation for what's to come. Are we setting them up? Are we giving them a jump off that's ready? for them to take off and stand on the shoulders of giants and take this thing to the next level. Yes, sir. Mm. And so you mentioned successful wild parenting. How do you view success and like, what's that, that goal you, you see for yourself? For myself or what do you mean for my family, myself? What do you mean specifically? How do you define success? You know, uh, I think Booker T. Washington stated this loosely. He said that, you know, success is not determined by the position you hold, but the obstacles overcome to achieve that position. Right. So for me, the success is not necessarily the destination. It's the journey. Right. And Mm -hmm. successes, you know, come by overcoming various obstacles. But um, I look at success as improvement. Right. If today is better than yesterday and tomorrow is better than today, you know, I would deem that as a success. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's hard to quantify and say, like, well, success is this particular net worth by this age <laughs> and success is my, you know, my kids both being valedictorians and going to this university and, you know, yeah. marrying this type of person and becoming this and having these number of grandkids. And, you know, I mean, I guess we could quantify it in some regard, but on a personal level, to me, success is defined as improvement. And um, mm-hmm. and that's very subjective and it's very individualized. 
to, you know, the individual that's involved. Gotcha. Yeah, that reminds me of, uh, what is it? It's a quote from Master P. Mm-hmm. And it was on the Solange album. Mm-hmm. And I, and it I caught me completely off guard. Mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting this quote. But he, he was like, success is being able to go with just go to sleep with your health. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Excuse yeah, me. Yeah, you good. You good. It's all good. Success is being able to go to sleep with yourself every night. Mm. And I was like, oh, that that's very real of being able to be confident in what you've done every day. And like you said, it's not a destination. It's a it's an ongoing journey. You know, that's that's powerful, man, because, you know, when you say that, you know, in that realm, it's like success is being able to sleep good at night. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it's not about stuff. It's not about, um, again, wealth and net worth and this and that and celebrity. Success is about being able to sleep good at night. But that's also, again, very subjective. So for some that, you know, sleeping good at night means for them, it's they're accomplishing a certain this or they're impacting this number of people or they've made this amount and they're able to now do these various things in the world or change the world. So I guess it's it's all defined individually, but I like that whole concept of, you know, success is being able to sleep good at night. Yeah. I like yeah. that. And that's what drew me to it. Mm. Yeah, And it's funny, like I, I love to listen to various definitions of that. Uh, KRS-One you know, I was listening to him do like a little impromptu interview and someone asked him about what's the how do you define wealth? And he said wealth is defined as the intersection of health and well-being. Mm. I was like, yo, that's fascinating. Wealth and this again by KRS-One through some impromptu interview that I saw him do. He said health, uh, wealth was is defined as the intersection between well between health and well-being well-being health and well-being yep i'm with it i am too 100 (laughs) percent. that that one hits yes so i'll segue Mm -hmm. into another topic which both of you and i are familiar with as far as traveling with your family like what tips do you have when that you like i gotta do this on the trip uh when it comes to planning for it i got to have x y and z in order what are the tips you typically follow when you're planning uh, family travel Mm, family travel well well first um we always like to investigate whether or not a grandparent or two would like to come along so that's no, I should have written that down before <laughs> Look, that, I left. Man, what you talking about? That's number one. And it's funny because um, you know, my parents actually traveled with us when we took the kids to Mexico last year. And it was such an awesome opportunity. First off, you know, you have multi-generational travel, but then, mm. you know, typically grandparents ain't looking to turn up in the evening. So you can send, you can send the kids on over to grandparents room and you and wifey can go turn up and enjoy yourself. So I say step one would be to encourage or investigate whether or not a grandparent or two would be interested in joining you all on your travel, multi-generational trip, create memories and, and all of that stuff. So that's step one. Two, is um obviously the budget. So making sure that whatever your budget restrictions are, that you find something that fits within that. And um and then you know after that man, it really is just about you know again taking your kids, you know you want to make sure that um you're taking them somewhere that they can really reap the benefits of, right? Um because there are certain places that wifey and you or you and your spouse would um would really dig but your kids depending on their age might not be at a place where they can really get down with it you know what i'm saying and it's kind of like kind of like a waste of a trip so to speak right for them at that time but um but if you can find scenarios that you know there's some component that the kids can identify with then i think that's cool so like for us you know we have a lot of different pictures and all that stuff for various you know, places around the world in our kids room. And, you know, they do a lot of reading and watching stuff. And then because of all the stuff that's out there from a media perspective, you know, there are various icons that they're that are recognizable to the kids. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. they can recognize things like the Eiffel Tower and 
the Mayan ruins and the Egyptian pyramids and, you know, things like the, you know, the pyramid or the Leaning Tower of Pisa or the Colosseum or, you know, various things that they can identify with. And when they can identify with something and my kids, again, are six and eight, it makes it it makes the trip a little bit more impactful for them. Whereas if I take Mm -hmm. them or we take them to a place that, you know, we take them someplace, you know, in Peru and maybe they don't know anything about Machu Picchu. You know, it's going to be like, all right, Dad, we could have gone to Disney World, <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, which would have been probably, you know, le- you know, it been it's cheaper to go to Peru than Disney World. That's a different conversation. But um, but either way, I think that's one of the things as well is to make sure based on your kid's age that you take a trip that they can resonate with as well. And um, because I think that just that helps to make it impactful for everyone involved. Nice. All right. So the grandparents, Mm -hmm. number one, budget, and then making sure that it fits for everyone in the family. Yeah. I mean, it's it's something that resonates with the kids age. Like if you have if you if your kids are like, you know, older teenagers or whatever college age or something, they can pretty much you can pretty much go wherever you'd want to go. They could reckon they could identify and connect with it. But if you have young kids, be mindful of that. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah, you know, I, I don't think they necessarily resonate with everything at a certain point and they can't quite get it. And I want them to to formulate memories, right? And mm-hmm. you know, so you have to make sure that it fits in that regard, in my opinion. Gotcha, mm-hmm. gotcha. Yeah, no. Like I was saying, uh I've done the two months in Southeast Asia, mm-hmm. and we talked about it. Yes, to where man, some grandparent help would have been awesome. Change the world. And think about this: maybe that you know, grandparents probably would not go along with y'all for two and a half months. But what if they met y'all for a week somewhere? You know what I'm saying? That's all I needed. That's it. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's all I needed. And 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 the other part with that. Uh, the first thing is, oh, child care is taken care mm-hmm. of. But you mentioned the multi-generational aspect. Yes. And that didn't even appear to me. Mm-hmm. Like, I was like, oh, yeah. Well, they'll get time with grandpa. But, like, the multi-generational aspect is like, that. that's a new thought. Dude, that's a new area that's, like, firing for Dude, me. I'm going to tell you what, what's firing there is, um, you know, again, we're both African-American men. And, you know, it's about helping to spark this thought of some different stuff and typically mm. within our culture that's not something you see a lot of right but if we, yeah. we have, but we have contemporaries who are of other backgrounds and you see all the time you know grandparents are paying for everybody to go to on a disney cruise or grandparents are taking the kids yeah. and the grandkids on a european vacation and grandparents are taking the kids and the grandkids back to Tokyo to the homeland and you know all these different scenarios are going to see cousins in India you know their other cultures and other folk, folks of other backgrounds have done that black people mm-hmm. haven't typically done that we haven't done these multi-generational trips and um but the thing is there are some of us that are in positions in which that is possible right but yep. we just we don't do it we look at it in a different realm And so I Mm -hmm. think the concept of building experiences is something that, you know, you might not remember your first toy or the first time you got a pair of J's or whatever. But you'll remember that time that, you know, you and grandparents and parents and all went on a cruise together or you all went. Oh, yeah. You know, went to some other country and had these neat experiences or my kids remember going and seeing, you know, Cheech and Itza with their parents and their grandparents. You know what I'm saying? Like. Yeah, it's like little things like that, I think, are extremely important. And I think those are things that we need to really invest in from an experience perspective, because because um, because I mean, time is limited. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Like, how do we take advantage of this limited resource time in the best way possible, especially if you don't necessarily live in the city with the grandparents, which is our reality. You know, I'm from Augusta, Georgia. My wife's from Los Angeles, but we live in Knoxville, Tennessee. <laughs> so grand, so, so seeing grandparents dry. yeah we have to travel to see grandparents and so yeah. you know we want to make the most of these time this time and, and build valuable experiences yeah i i'm just like there's so many different points you hit me remembering 
I, uh, my mom treated me to a cruise when I graduated high school mm-hmm. and everybody was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, like we rode 15 to 20 deep mm-hmm. on the cruise. Grandma was there. And it's like that type of stuff sticks. Yes. And it's interesting coming back from the, the, the Southeast Asia trip. We were like, all right, we're going to take Desi. Um, even if she doesn't remember it, there'll be an imprint mm-hmm. and we come back home and she'll we'll we'll have uh pictures on display on a what is that thing a smart digital frame mm-hmm. or whatever and desi will be like yeah i remember walking over there and then i stepped on a cup and then juice spilled on my foot mm-hmm. and i'm like yeah i didn't know you was gonna remember that mm-hmm. but and it, it just shows how how early you could start to to plant those memories yeah and the thing is, and, and was in, I was reading something the other day, and it was like the things that we remember, or the things about our memories, um, and it's basically you remember big moments and endings, right? <clears throat> big moments and endings, and so to her, stepping on that cup was kind of a big moment. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. And you also remember <laughs> endings, like how did something end? I mean, you think about like relationships, like if you know previous relationships from high school and college and all of that, you don't remember a whole lot of nuances, but you remember how that thing ended, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and the same thing with any experience that you have is big moments and endings. Those are the things that we formulate to memory, and so. You know, and I think about, you know, as a speaker and all of that, those are things that I try to, you know, make make myself mindful of, you know, in regards to communication is like, how do you create big moments? Because those are the things that folks will take away. But then how do you end? Because that's also what folks will take away. Virtually everything else is a wash. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to jump to something we were talking about before we even hit record. Okay. You were talking about your purpose Mm -hmm. and I love your purpose and everything that it stands for. Mm -hmm. Like what is your purpose and how are you making it a reality? Mm, Awesome, man. Thanks for asking, man. You know, I've come to realize through lots of deliberation, trial and error, life experience and everything that my unique purpose is to, help individuals and organizations, but primarily individuals develop the courage and the confidence to double down on who they authentically are, you know, to to embrace their greatness while pursuing their interest, recognizing their faults and failures, yet guarding themselves against their personal triggers. G.I.F.T. The whole concept for me or my purpose is to help individuals unwrap their gift. And, um, and, you know, in this concept of fatherhood or, you know, my podcast platform, Black Fathers Now, you know, I have a, a very special place in my heart for black fatherhood. And so it's about helping, you know, black men or African-American men. I, you know, authentically double down on who they are as fathers so that they can walk in their purpose or walk in their greatness. And so um, so for me. You know, I'm doing that, you know, by communications consulting. So, you know, I help individuals uncover their story, uncover who they are. And we go through a various, you know, various processes in which, you know, they start to really take a step back and realize where they are in life and who they are in life. And, you know, one of the things that we go through is the concept of really, you know, embracing your greatness while pursuing your interest. You know, they're, everybody's great at something. Right. There is an activity Mm -hmm. or an action that everybody walking the face of this earth is great at doing. Right. So everybody comes to you. Your friends come to you. Your family comes to you for something. Right. But then you also have things that you're interested in, meaning when you have time to just kind of screw off, you are found doing this. Right. You're interested in certain things. Or if you, you know, had free time or if somebody gave you an unlimited amount of money, this is what you would do with your life. One of the things that folks don't tend to do when they do this whole self-evaluation is they rarely try to find opportunities in which their greatness and their interest intersect. Because the point in which your greatness and your interest intersect is the point in which you have unlimited potential. And typically, when you see folks in the world who are impacting the world on a massive scale, not just folks who are celebrities and who have a lot of money, but who are just really doing the doggone thing in some aspect of life, you usually find that they've identified an aspect of them that's great and they found something that they can latch on to that they're interested in, which is either purpose. 
And that that intersection is what they're then capitalizing on. And that's when we see folks who are really operating at their highest level or operating within their calling. And my whole thing, my goal in life is to ha- to help as many folks as possible get to that point. Right. But you also can't do that without recognizing your faults and failures because we all done screwed mm. up. We all got screw ups. We all got <laughs> stuff that we hate. You know, we all got still sp- all human. Yeah, man, we all human. But then the biggest one, and this is the one that a lot of folks don't pay a lot of attention to. But, it, and you know, when I do workshops and all, it actually gets the most conversation is recognizing your triggers. Right. Because each one of us has personal triggers. Sometimes they're types of people. Sometimes they're actual individuals, their circumstances, their situations, these things Mm -hmm. that trigger you to go from zero to a hundred with the snap of a finger, right? Your triggers are the things that really have the ability to fully derail you from your greatness. And if we don't recognize our triggers, but then take the next step of putting up some type of guardrail in place to guard yourself or protect yourself from your personal triggers, that's when we end up getting derailed. And that's when you start to see, you know, you know, various celebrities have issues and then the whole house comes tumbling down because yeah. they allowed this trigger to get to them. They didn't recognize the trigger, but then they also did not put an effective barrier in place to protect themselves from that trigger. Right. And so. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So ultimately, you know, my calling is, you know, to help individuals develop the courage and the confidence to double down on who they authentically are. Awesome. I love the framework you laid out. So with the the triggers, mm-hmm. could you give an example of what you're using and identified as a trigger? Uh, and look, we'll stay on the topic of Black Fathers Now podcast. Okay, okay. So I what mean, is what is your trigger there, and, and how have you safeguarded yourself from from it? Yeah. So you know the th- the thing for me, and this is you know you've had to evolve in this under the space of Black Fathers Now. I've had to evolve a little bit, but I knew when I chose the title Black Fathers Now, and I'm promoting this in spaces that are not 100 percent Black spaces. I knew there was going to be pushback, right? Because mm-hmm. um, race especially right now with all the stuff that's going on, race is Mm -hmm. probably the most uh, volatile trigger word out there, especially in America. You know what I'm saying? Like anything race related. um, And it comes from a lot of different places. So you have it from some of us who are considered underrepresented minorities in various spaces who have dealt with, you know, various racially motivated situations or are connected to folks who have lived through Jim Crow or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so we're very, you know, we're we're hypersensitive to anything race related, right? So our antennas go up when we sense anything, you know, that might have a level of anything racial attached to it, our antennas go up and our spidey senses are like, hold up. You know, we automatically go there. On the flip side, you know, if you're not necessarily considered an underrepresented minority, um, and you feel like you're under constant attack of being accused of being, you know, some type of racist or whatever, yep. you know, and so it, it comes on both sides. And so mm-hmm. when I have a podcast entitled Black Fathers Now and a book out entitled Dynamic Black Fatherhood Manifesto, if I'm in some fatherhood groups that are not majority African-American, the questions come up. You know, why is it not all fathers? Why are you, you know, poking the bear? Mm-hmm. Why are you being divisive? Why are you always throwing race in it? Why? I mean, it, it. And so for me, those things used to trigger me and I would get uber defensive. Right. Like I gotcha. literally it was one of those things where I would get super defensive at first. But the blessing of that happening over and over and over. First, your skin toughens up and you expect it. But then the flip side of it is you know, that trigger actually turned into some messaging, right? And one of the messages that I utilize with it is I use the example of music, right? And so when you think about like hip hop, you know, hip hop mm-hmm. typically, not all hip hop, because we got all kind of hip hop now, but historically, yeah. you know, hip hop came from urban demographics, typically from the inner city. And it was a lot of times talking about the black experience, right? Using examples, yeah. references, and everything that directly connected with the black experience. But if you looked at the numbers, the overwhelming majority of folks purchasing hip hop were not black people, right? Yeah. But 
they were speaking the language of folks that lived the black experience. You take that and you juxtapose it to country music, right? Country music might not use urban themes and all of that. They might be referencing the pickup truck and old yeller and the the dogs and the guitars. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All all of these examples, they're speaking to a particular demographic, right? But people Mm -hmm. from all backgrounds can resonate with the storytelling in country music, right? Whether you like it or not. And I said all of that to say, I've come to realize that black fathers now I'm speaking to black men. I'm speaking to black fathers and I'm speaking to those that are connected to black men and black fathers. And I'm speaking in a language they resonate with, but other people can understand it just like in music. These various types of music speak to a specific demographic, though other people can learn from it if they're open to getting over some of the references and cultural references they might not directly correlate with. So that used to be a trigger for mine, but it actually is the whole, it kind of got repurposed into a weapon to help people to see things a little bit differently, but then to also open themselves up to the notion of, you know, when someone is specifically speaking to a particular demographic, using their language and using their terminology, look at it as a plus because the demographic that they're speaking to was yearning for that type of language because they want somebody or yearn for someone to speak a language that directly correlates with them. Does that make sense? Perfect sense. Crystal clear. Like that is, that's phenomenal way of like looking at the problem and, and, and getting uh, like, cause we, when we talked, Mm -hmm. we were talking about, I was saying the Mm self-reflection and being able to recognize where we're falling short and being able to fix it. And, that's a meaty problem mm-hmm. that you've been able to solve. And I, I like absolutely applaud that. I appreciate it, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> I'm taking notes over here. Oh, you um, man, you're good. Look, <laughs> look, man, I, I take notes as well. I got my I got two notebooks open right now. So <laughs> <laughs> knowledge comes at any point. What you talking about? It it's gotta be ready to receive uh, it. Hello. <laughs> Message. Message. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. I know we uh cutting close on like being talking for an hour, so I don't I wanna be cognizant of your time. Man, but I got what? all the time you want, man. <laughs> you ain't gotta cut it shout for me. Come on with it. <laughs> <laughs> now now look now look if you don't run out of questions that's a different conversation i could go all day <laughs> all right i bet uh, but no one thing I, I i like to do is hear what other people like as far as Different books. Mm-hmm. I'll pick up books all the time. Okay. What's one of your like favorite books that you like to share? Man, the well, I mean, outside of my own dynamic Black Fatherhood manifesto, <laughs> self promotion. There, check it out. I'll check it out. Um, you know, outside of that, the one that I've gifted the most has been The Alchemist. You know, which mm. uh, you probably had numerous guests mention The Alchemist. I mean, it's one of the best selling books of all time. So I always recommend The Alchemist, man. I mean, the whole concept of pursuing your personal legend. You know, as you do so, the universe conspires to help you along on your journey. Um, That concept is extremely powerful because it really emphasizes the fact that you have to start walking before it happens. It doesn't just happen to inspire you to start walking. And so for me, that's an an extremely powerful one. The other one, man, um, and this is actually just a very recent finish of mine. I just finished reading a book called The Black Jacobins. And the Black Jacobins is basically the story of the Haitian Revolution and the the life and journey of Toussaint Louverture. And um, wow, yeah, man, it it really opened my eyes to this powerful brother and his um, you know, coming from where he came from, being enslaved to really rising and understanding who he was, but then leveraging politics and understanding economics and understanding community of the 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 value of effective communication, but then all of this coming into fruition a little bit later in life. 
You know, like he was 40 when he rose to prominence, whereas a lot of times, you know, the leaders and all that we revere come into prominence, you know, in their t- teens or 20s. And so yeah. um, but then he was also not a perfect man in a sense that he had fallacies as well. And so, you know, it, it was a very powerful story. And I just finished it. Actually, I finished it yesterday. Um, oh. I'm taking my time through it, uh, highlighting and notes and stuff. But um, but that's one that I just recently finished. Um, I mean, it's it's a lot of other ones, man. Let's think. Uh, another good one. Um, trying to think of a, just a really good, especially for like the the whole parenting mentality, mm-hmm. dude. I, it's I'm I'm trying to think of one that's legitimately applicable. Um, I'll, I'll come back to that in a second because I yeah. think I got another mm-hmm. really good one that I'm. Try on the tip of my tongue that would be extremely impactful um, for the listeners, but we'll come back to it. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll come back to it. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna check out the Black Jacobins though. That sounds it's dope. That I'm with it. Mm-hmm. I'm with it. Oh, just, oh an- another one, another good one. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, right now. Uh, Guns, Germs, and Steel. That's another really interesting book as well by Jared Diamond. Um, that one really, yeah, Guns, Germs, and Steel. It really talks about the the growth of civil. It's a it's a pretty deep book. It talks about like the growth of civilizations over the last thirteen thousand years. That one is dope. Mm-hmm. And then one more, and this one was a, was a big one too, but it was a page turner. Turner. It was Warmth of Other Suns by Isabel Wilkerson, and that one talked about the Black migration in America and how mm-hmm. you know Black folks left the South and went to New York and Chicago and the West Coast from, you know, the Southeast. And it really charted the journey of specific individuals there. And it showed the route that they took and why they ended up in these different areas. And this is, you know, between like 1930 and 1970. And so, um, wow. yeah, it was powerful, man. So those are those are a few that I would highly recommend um, right now at the top of my head. I mean, dude, I read all the time. So it's just... When you ask about Same. it, it's like I got a thousand books. <laughs> if you hadn't asked me, I'd have get, ran off a list of about 20. But because you asked, <laughs> I, I was just like, I, I went blank. <laughs> nah, I feel you. Uh, it happens all the time. Yeah. I have to check out definitely the warmth of other sons because, yes. like, growing up in the South, I always had this like concept in my mind that oh slavery and and this idea of racism is just heavily restricted in the south mm-hmm. but then you look at the laws in new york mm-hmm. and you look at police enforcement across the nation and it's just like no nah, and you look at the most seg- look thing. at the most segregated like school districts and neighborhoods and all they're like in new york and la it's just like yeah. schools are like either 99% black and latino or they're like 99 percent white you know it's not a yeah it's not a mix it, and but and those are in areas yeah. that you think are super diverse progressive and progressive and diverse. Yeah. exactly mm-hmm. but yeah no nah, i gotta check that one out mm-hmm. that, it's powerful um, man add it to the ever-growing list yes <laughs> <laughs> so we talked a lot about the the podcast and other things but like what do you do to kind of get by daily? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I say that as far as like, do you have any routines, any meditation, uh, fitness? Like, what do you do in order to still be able to bring your best for your personal career, the podcast and things like that while still being able to serve the family? Mm, big time, man. You, dude. I literally, for me, it starts with prayer um, because I mm. believe that I have to have a direct line connection to my creator. And mm-hmm. that's the way that I do so. So for me, it's prayer. It's also meditation. Like I, I'm not like a formal meditator. Like I don't do like transcendental meditation or all these different chants and all of that. For me, meditation is just taking a little bit of time just to be still. So even if it's just a couple of mm-hmm. minutes to be still, to clear your mind, to reflect and um and just to open yourself up to whatever's coming. So I'm very big on that. And it, again, it's not some formalized. I don't have some some title to it, and I'm not sitting there with my my legs crossed all up over my shoulders mm-hmm. and all. Of, <laughs> you know, <laughs> <I'm>, that's. Did, <laughs> have you heard that they um they were doing like uh, brain research and found out that 
prayer and meditation both lead to like similar results mm -hmm. of like brain formation mm -hmm. I, you know i wouldn't doubt it but i do believe and just in just my personal belief structure i believe that they mm -hmm. serve two different purposes so for me prayer is like the the communication right whereas uh -huh. to me the meditation is like the marination right like you're you're marinating the chicken before you put it on the grill you know what i'm saying so it's like i'm mm. processing i'm connecting i'm clearing I'm, uh, you know, breathing and relaxing and just getting myself in, in the right mind frame. You know what I'm saying? Like prayer yeah. is the communication. The meditation like gets you in the right mindset. And but then also for me, exercise, you know, I'm a firm believer that movement is medicine. You know what I'm saying? Movement mm. is medicine and rest is recovery. You know, a lot of times what we need to do a lot more of is we need to move a lot more, but we also need to rest a lot more. Yeah. So I'm I'm a huge proponent of both of those on a daily basis. Um, but then, you know, just being grateful, man, like um, every day on the way to school, my kids and I, you know, I'm, I'm, I drop them off in the morning. My kids and I talk and two questions they get asked every morning. First one is, well, what are you thankful for and why? So they have to ask, answer that. And then the second one is, what are you excited about and why? And so mm. to me, the whole you set the tone for being grateful or having gratitude, you know, and understanding why you're thankful for where you are in life. But then the other part to it is you're setting the tone to be excited about something like you're anticipating some level of excitement. And um, yeah. a lot of us don't do that. And what's interesting is I do that with them so that I start my day off the same way. So that I'm grateful. You know, we do our prayer as a family together before my wife leaves. She's in education. So she leaves super early. Um, okay. But yeah, so we we do our prayer together. But then on the way to school, it's gratitude. And then what are you excited about? So, hmm. but those are my, it's from a routine perspective, you know, try to eat pretty good, um, you know, try to minimize stress as much as possible, you know, because stress is the silent killer. Um, you got that on lock? You figured out how to minimize stress completely? No, I mean, you always <laughs> check this out, man. You, you know, again, there is no perfect individual walking the face of this earth right no. now. And so no. there are always yeah. going to be things that get to you. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not like some yeah. monk that can, uh, <laughs> you know, you, you know, he's getting thrown stuff at him and he's just like, oh, it's okay. Let it flow off my shoulders. And like, yeah. no, nah, fam, I, 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 might, I might get pissed off. <laughs> And get a little heated about it or get stressed out but flip a few tables. yeah i might flip a few tables but that that serves as my exercise for the day you know what i'm saying and so there's <laughs> one stone there it is two, two birds, birds one stone one. like look okay i got the stress out i don't flip tables i ain't got to go to the gym man shoot i ain't even got to drive mm. nowhere man that deep it saves Boom. me some time so Boom. but now i gotta buy another table so that poses another problem and so uh, <laughs> So. Yeah, now I've, I've recognized that recently mm -hmm. is every time you look back, you're like, what was I stressing about mm -hmm. before? Mm. And when I was growing up, I would look up to adults and be like, oh, they figured it out. Mm -hmm. They know how to handle it. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like being um, some type of a firefighter mm -hmm. um, to where it's you don't become great at putting out all fires you learn which fires need your attention mm. and which ones you can ignore mm, dude you know I, I use an analogy drop the ball not the egg mm. yeah you know what i'm saying elaborate yeah so so basically if you if you're in a yard playing with your kid and you gotta you know you drop the ball i mean there's only so mm. far the ball's gonna roll but more than likely the ball will be sitting there when you come back right yeah, you mess around and drop an egg, you can't use it no more, you know. Yep. And so to that point, it's like, is your situation a ball or is it an egg? If it's a ball, yeah. don't get too stressed out about it dropping. Yes, it might roll around in the yard or roll to another room, and you got to go find it, but it's still somewhere in the yard or somewhere in the house. If it's an egg, you might be want might want to treat that a little bit more um, with a little bit more caution. You know what I'm saying? And so I look mm -hmm. at scenarios like that. Is it an egg or is it a ball? If it's a ball, I'm, I'm going to try to hold it. But if it falls, I'm not going to stress it. If it's gotcha. an egg, I have to work on not stressing if I do drop an egg. So that's an area of opportunity for me on a personal level. 
is that if mm. I do drop the egg, <laughs> not intending to, um, yeah, do I yeah. then lose my crap? You know what I'm saying? And I don't know if I can curse or not. Ooh. I'm not a cursor, but I was gonna, wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was gonna drop one there. But um, no judgment. <laughs> the kids ain't around, so um, no. <laughs> but um, but yeah, man. So that's that's a challenge. You know, it's like the goal is to focus on determining which one is an egg, which was an, which one is a ball, and be yeah. okay with the balls dropping. But the challenge is when you do by happenstance or whatever drop an egg, can you keep your cool? And that's where I think, mm. you know, the, the development process needs to, you know, take place with myself. Gotcha. Mm. Yeah, sorry. I'm just I'm just thinking about that. I'm processing. No, you're like, good. You're good, man. You're good. Yeah, because I've heard similar lines of thought. Mm-hmm. Um, the book, The One Thing by Gary Keller is. Have you read it? No, I have not. I have not. Okay, it's it's fantastic. Uh, for myself, I like to think I'm like super distracted and trying to be in ninety places at once and end up being nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and that book helps to like drill in your focus and be intentional mm-hmm. about what you're doing. And one of the things they said is they broke down life into like seven categories. There's uh, Work, uh, spiritual, finances, relationships, and so on and so forth. And he was saying some of these are rubber balls and some of these are glass balls. Oh, interesting. And so if you drop the ball on the job, it'll bounce back. Mm. You could go get another career. You could find a different way Mm -hmm. to make income. If you aren't there for your child's soccer championship, that's a different one. Mm. Like you can't once once you drop a glass ball, it's either going to be damaged or completely broken. Wow, that's powerful. And so, yeah, yeah, mm. is it stuck with me of knowing how to keep the glass balls up, uh, and one of them being health. Mm-hmm. So making sure, look, if you stress yourself out, don't get any rest, and all these other things. No matter how far you're pushing your business, your body's going to give out on you. Mm. And unless y'all know a place where you could rent a body, mm. this is the only <laughs> one we got. Rent a body. Dude, Man. we need to figure out a way to create it now. That, you know, that, that, that's, that's actually, you know, it's interesting, man. Like, just thinking about categories and, you know, I don't know if this is where it came from, but I was listening to a podcast and one of the guys, he mentioned this concept about if it's not a heck yes it's a no right Mm. and so the whole concept behind that is you know if i don't have full you know enthusiasm behind something it's a no and i thought about it's like you know that really is how we need to live our lives and from that you know i kind of spawned this concept of you know you know I i want it black or white i don't want it gray the only thing that looks gray the only thing that i want gray is a suit you know what I'm saying? Because, <laughs> because real talk, I want it black or white. Like you just, it's like all yes or no. But I know there are nuances in life. Mm. But if it's mm-hmm. not a heck yes, it's a no. Because you think about the limited time that we have. Um, yeah. Why is it that we spend our time on things that are meh, kind of okay, right? Yeah. Why should we waste time on those things unless it's something that we just have to do, right? If we have a oh, yeah, choice yeah, yeah. to not do it. You know, I'm going to throw something else here. Are you familiar with the life map? Mm, elaborate. Okay. Continue. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, for, I, I forgot the guy. Say that again. I don't think I have. Okay. It sounds slightly familiar. Yeah. But. So long story short, I forgot the, the author's name, but I came across it in, in another interview and it was interesting. This guy had basically kind of mapped his life out into various events and not necessarily years. Right. And so he came, you know, like if you're, you know, 50 years old and you're going to live to age 80, you basically have 30 summers left. Or if you have, you know, if you get pizza once a month and, you know, you're a certain age, that means you're going to have pizza 12 times more this year. And if you're living another 20 years, then 12 times 20. You know what I'm saying? Like he started mapping Mm. things out and it made it interesting one of the things that he pointed out that really just made the hair on the back of my neck kind of stand up 
was he talked about time with your parents. He said, you know, from age mm-hmm. zero, and he talked about his own personal life, from age zero to 18, if you live in the house with your parents, you're spending basically 365 days a year with your parents, right? And then if you look at it in the in the actual number of days that you interact with your parents, if you go off to college in another city, right, and yeah. then you live in another city after that, and he used himself as an example. He said he sees his parents on average like maybe two weeks a year, you know, as far as like actual physical FaceTime, not yeah. on, you know, video chat and everything. Mm-hmm. He said two weeks a year. He was like, based off of that, the moment that I left high school at 18, I have spent 90% of the days with my parents that I will ever spend with my parents. Wow. That thing, that thing about had me ready to just to ball out in tears because I thought Man, about it. I'm, I'm holding them back. Yeah, dude, because <laughs> you think about it and it made me think, it, th- it made me think about my parents. I'm like, I've yeah. spent, you know what I mean, I'm 40 years old now, so that means I've probably spent 93% of the time that I'm going to ever physically spend with my parents, unless we move back to the city and all that stuff with my parents that I will ever spend based off of the days that I see them, you know, on an annual basis compared to what I had growing up. But then I think about my children who are eight and six. So my eight year old is exactly 10 years away from being a freshman in college right now. Yes. So I got 10 years. Yes. My my six year old is 12 years away from that. And so when you start thinking about that, when you start mapping out your life and looking at the time that you have, that really reemphasized not wasting time with the moments that I do have with them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or when I the moments that I do have with my parents or with my spouse and all of that, when you start looking at these things, it, it's. It's, it's, it was monumental for me to really evaluate. I got to find the link to it, but it's, it was the life map, if I'm not mistaken, the title okay. of it. But uh, it blew and my it's, mind. And this, this not a book or anything? I think it was more so like a pamphlet, like I, it was a PDF okay. or something, yeah. Okay. But I forgot the guys. I wish I had his name, but I just came across it, and it just it blew my mind, dude, to think about yeah. life. Once you start laying it out like that, like, you know, I was watching the uh, the Dion Cole, um, <laughs> the comedy special on Netflix the other day, and <laughs> it was it was a trip. It's funny. But one of the things he talked about was he was just like, everybody in here, raise your hand if you're in your 40s. And, you know, people in there raise their hand. <laughs> he was like, y'all got 30 summers left. <laughs> and he's like, all right, if you're in your 50s, raise your hand. They were clapping, raising their hand. Y'all got 20 summers left. And, uh, <laughs> and mm. so he was like, la- you know, he was laughing. But it, but when you think about life in those particular terms, you're just like, yeah. dang, that's freaking real. You might only have mm-hmm. 35 summers left. That's not a lot of that, summers. And, and, that, <laughs> and that's hopeful. That's hopeful. It's prayerful. That's, that's hopeful. You know, it, you know, you know, hopefully we got more than that. But when you stop and you start putting things in that particular realm, I know it sounds morbid. But to me, that's also that also gives you the inspiration to be very action oriented in your activities yeah. and make life about experiences and building relationships and giving and love. And, you know, we ain't got time for all this, you know, BS political banter back and forth. I mean, that's not my mm-hmm. that's not my profession. So <laughs> I don't get off on going back and forth. So why am I going to waste time doing all this crap 24 seven? You know, all this banter yeah. and whatever. I ain't got time for it, man. I'm gonna enjoy no, my I, my next forty summers. So, uh. <laughs> and there it is. Like I heard from, it's somewhere I, I took it, mm-hmm. but I feel like, and this is gonna sound morbid, okay? But I don't think it actually is. <clears throat> Excuse me. I I don't feel like we talk about death enough. Mm-hmm. Um, just for the fact of there's like the suspicion of if you talk about death, you're inviting it. Yeah, you're jinxing nah, yourself or something, yeah. Nah, I don't talk about it and that some bitch still show up. It, like, it's going what? to regardless. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it, that's not the correlation. Mm-hmm. Um, but having that healthy respect for the fact that, yo, any day could be our day. Yes. And if you want that reminder, go pick up the obituaries mm-hmm. And you'll see people of all ages, Mm -hmm. all ages that are no longer here. 
Dude, man, you don't even have to pick the obituaries up. Every last person walking the face of this earth has lost somebody, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's a grandparent, a parent, a you know, a friend, somebody, a classmate, you know, you every everybody has lost somebody. So that is a reality that we cannot run from. But nope. we should utilize that as motivation. Because that is the one thing that you do not come back from. And so to that point, you know, with all this stuff that we typically complain and stress about, most of the time we get some do-overs. Almost all of the time we get some do-overs because we're still here. You know what I'm saying? We have a chance to, even if it's something extremely bad, you know, at least you maybe get a chance to apologize. You know what I'm saying? Like, but the reality is if you're still here, you still got a chance. The moment that you're not here, it's over, Right. And I, I, you know, I appreciate the fact that you utilize the whole concept of of death because it's a motivator, man. Like I, um, you know, I, I I think we talked, we might've talked about this on our interview, but you know, back in October of this past year, I just lost my grandmother and this was, uh, yeah, this was my last grandmother or my last grandparent. Grandparent. Yeah, Yeah, man. And so it was like, the finality of realizing that my parents are now the elders in my family was that was challenging. And that really opened my mind up to this whole notion of, man, you know, we got work to do. You know what I'm saying? Because tomorrow's not promised is not promised, but we know the end will come at some point. So Mm -hmm. what am I going to do with the time that I got? Yep. And I don't think it's also just, my own death it's also recognizing like you could lose anybody Mm -hmm. like there have been different friends family members that you talk to one week Mm -hmm. and then they're not here the next no longer here Mm -hmm. and it's like you can't take it for granted no dude that's for granted you do it's holding grudges over little stupid stuff like let it go man let it go let it go brother i'm a huge proponent of just I mean, again, you don't have to forget things, but you have to forgive. Mm-hmm. And forgiving is not about the person that you're forgiving. It's about you releasing that so that you don't carry that, you know, that that anchor, you know, around mm-hmm. your ankle as you walk around because that that stuff weighs you down. Um, yeah. But do. Yeah. Life is way too short, man, for us to sit around and, you know, bring in drama. I mean, life brings its own drama. So why do we need to man. add to the mix? <laughs> Man, life got the drama on life. Bruh, what you talking, man? Come on. Don't worry about it. If you you wanted drama, just live. Just live. It's gonna come. Just live. It's gonna come. Just live. Just live. It's it's coming. If it ain't come already, it's coming. You know? Yeah. So we don't but but to that point, we also don't need to add anything else to it. You know, it's like the you know, like a great recipe doesn't need anything else added to it right no life is a great recipe no. man i mean it's some good stuff some bad stuff some challenging stuff some awesome stuff you know we don't need to add any extra spice to it it's spicy enough no. <laughs> just wait dude it's just like look look it's just like you ever go to like a, when you were in southeast asia so y'all probably played with some spicy stuff here or there um oh, yeah you go there and they're just like oh no it's spicy you don't need any of that red pepper sauce oh mm-hmm. man whatever man let me go and put some on there Ooh, fire in the hole <laughs> <laughs> on the way in Burn. and the way out and uh, mm. <laughs> yes it was spicy enough player so life is spicy enough <laughs> yes sir alright so I gotta start getting ready to head out okay. myself That's, but... okay it's all good I, I, I know you run out of questions that's fine <laughs> <laughs> every time you challenge me, I know. Every time. I know. You're like, well, I got three more that were already written down. You don't call me out. Every time. I know, man. Whatever. You know, I know the laptop ain't pl- <laughs> look, I know the laptop ain't plugged in. It's about to die. So you better go ahead and <laughs> shut this thing down. <laughs> uh, challenging my interview hood. Oh, come Goodness. on, man. Come on, man. Interview I'm over here in boxing form. <laughs> What? I ain't, who ain't got questions? Uh-huh. Who ain't got who ain't questions? Got qu- look, we go. Hey, hey, I bet you can't answer this one. So, <laughs> what you got? Nah, that's cool, man. I appreciate it, man. This is such an awesome time as always, man. I love chatting with you, brother. <laughs> yeah. So, one last question. Okay. If you could go back in time to the day before you became a parent, mm-hmm. and I might have asked you this first time. Well, the other people didn't what? hear it because we didn't record that one. 
Exactly. Yeah, so, so this is gonna be <laughs> not we. Yeah. Me, I didn't record. <laughs> you, you did your part. <laughs> you trip. Uh-huh. But if you could go back to the day before you became a parent, what would you tell your younger self? Um, just to relax. It's gonna be okay. You're prepared and not prepared at the same damn time, and that's okay. Mm. Um, but the thing is, <laughs> you're in the same position that everybody's in because no matter yeah. how many books you read, how many scenarios <laughs> you've been around, how many siblings you grew up with, how many cousins you had, when it's your own, it's a totally different beast. And um, you're prepared and not prepared at the same damn time. You're equipped with everything necessary. But you also got to go through the process of this unknown and um, yeah. just relax and enjoy the ride. Yep. Life is going to spice it up. Ooh, Don't worry boy. about it. What you talking about, man? You, bet, you better leave that red pepper sauce alone, brother. Uh-uh, I'm trying to tell you, man. It burns in. It's going to burn on the way out. <laughs> Don't need no extra salt. No, not nothing. Now, not. It's good. Leave it alone. It's good. <laughs> Uh, so last um, thing before we go where can anybody that's interested in learning more about Mike Dorsey where can they reach you and connect awesome man well you can visit IamMikeDorsey.com IamMikeDorsey.com or you can visit BlackFathersNow.com on social media Instagram, Facebook, Twitter you can google Black Fathers Now or search Black Fathers Now and you'll see me and the podcast and all of that and you know you can reach me at any of those platforms and just kind of go from there. And I'd love to hear from the successful while parenting podcast listeners. I'd love to get some feedback from y'all on this one. So definitely reach out. I'd love to connect. Appreciate you, man. All right. Thank you, Mike. It's been a pleasure. It has been a pleasure, my brother. Hey, everyone. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Successful While Parenting. Till we figure out cloning, we'll be investigating the tips, tricks, and routines that help other parents still achieve their personal goals. This podcast is available in iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Music. Uh, It's also available on SoundCloud if you'd like. If you could, pretty, pretty please, with sugar on top, please leave a review. Uh, I definitely hope that this podcast is worthy of five stars. But if not, then let me know what I can do to take it to the next level. Your constructive feedback is requested and definitely highly valued. I want to be able to provide a good source of value for you. I promise. So please um, leave us a review and check us out on our Facebook page. Um, You can easily search for us, uh, Successful While Parenting, or you can go directly to our URL, which is facebook.com slash SWP pod. Once on the Facebook page, drop me a line. I love having conversations with listeners and being able to know what's working well, what's not. So thanks. See you soon. This track is called At Least Looks Green by Swirl. You can find it on his SoundCloud, which is linked on the Facebook page.